Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm 5, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. Hey everyone, I'm Kevin. So Kevin, today we are talking about money. And the question comes from one of our listeners who wrote in with this excellent topic. So thank you, Mubarak, for your message. Yeah, yeah, we love hearing from our listeners. Uh, but Tim, what do you mean when you say money here? Well, that might be a good place to start. Can we explain what is money in the first place? And then we'll get to where it came from. It's pretty easy to think of money as, you know, coins or paper notes. But it can actually take many forms, including written or digital forms. Money is essentially any item or verifiable record that is generally accepted as payment for goods and services and repayments of debts in any society. So it was around 350 BC when the Greek philosopher Aristotle was thinking about the nature of money. Uh, and he considered that every object has two uses. Sounds very deep. What are the two uses? Well, first, the original purpose for which the object was designed for. Uh, but then, more interestingly, secondly, as an item to sell or barter. So since you mentioned bartering, let's talk about the origins of money then. So we should start by saying that money was invented way before written history even began. So this means that any story of how money first developed is mostly actually based on conjecture and logical inference. It has just not been possible to definitively trace the true origin of the invention of money. You know, it's very old. That's right. And it might surprise people to hear there is some vigorous debate on this topic. I always assumed that money was simply a way to replace bartering. But there are two major prevailing arguments. Yeah, and it's actually pretty fascinating. So maybe let's start with the bartering argument first then. Okay, yeah, so this is the more kind of common one. Money has been part of human history for at least the past 5,000 years or so. But before money, as we now know it came about, historians generally agree that a system of bartering was likely used. And bartering is essentially a direct trade of goods and services. You know, like, hey, you give me that axe and I'll give you a chicken. <laughs> like that kind of, you know, informal kind of arrangement and trade. Finding people to barter with was actually a very time-consuming process. And the logical argument, which some historians have made, is that this inefficiency was a driving force in the creation of monetary systems. People were basically seeking a way to stop wasting their time looking for someone that had exactly the same thing that you wanted and wanted what you had. And therefore, people needed a better medium of exchange. Ah, economists have a great term to describe the inefficiency of this barter system, don't they? So they talk about the fact that it requires something called a coincidence of wants. So the capacity to carry out a barter transaction is limited in that it depends on a very coincidence of you want what I have and I want what you have. So all this barter logic makes perfect sense. What's the problem with this theory? And what is the second theory that was mentioned? So the, the problem with the barter theory is that there's actually no real evidence, either historical or contemporary, of any society in which barter is or was the main mode of exchange. We just can't find any situation where it was used, you know, at large, despite how, you know, some fiction stories tell us. That is interesting. So if that's the case, then how did societies operate before money? So it was anthropologists uh, David Graeber, who argued that they probably used a gift economy and also a lot of debt. That's ELI-5, what you mean by a gift economy. 
So in the gift economy, valuable goods and services are regularly given without any explicit agreement for immediate or future rewards. So basically there's no formal, you know, quid pro quo. And gift economies were kind of common, at least in the beginnings of the first agrarian societies, where humans used, you know, kind of elaborate credit systems. And so what Graeber argues is that money was invented as a unit of accounting, not as a medium of exchange. Basically, when we went from saying things like, hey, I owe you one, it went to a more quantifiable notion of like, I owe you one unit of something. And that is the invention of money. Oh, I see. So in this view, money emerged first as a credit system and only later functioned as a medium of exchange and a store of value. That's right. That's right. Fascinating, right? So you can find evidence of this money of account system dating all the way back like 20 or even 30,000 years ago. Basically, when we see evidence of the development of the tally stick. So what happened is they found this 20,000-year-old uh, Ishango bone near one of the sources of the Nile. It seems to use matched tally marks on the thigh bone of a baboon for basically correspondence counting. Now, many people think of historical money as the point where we started to have cowrie shells or coins. When did that happen? Uh, yeah, many cultures around the world developed the use of what we now call commodity money. This is, you know, objects that have value in and of themselves as well as value in their use of money. Uh, places like ancient China, Africa, India all use like cowrie shells. The Mesopotamian civilization, they developed a quite large scale economy based on commodity money as well. The shekel was the unit of weight and currency first recorded in about 3000 BC, which was nominally equivalent to a specific weight of barley that was the pre-existing and parallel form of currency. Another example from about 1000 BC, money in the form of small knives and spades made of bronze was in use in China during the Zhou Dynasty. Okay, and then when did we switch from commodity money to paper currency? That occurred like 2000 years later from some of the examples I gave. Uh, it was the year 1260 AD when the Yuan Dynasty of China moved from coins to paper money. And so by the time Marco Polo visited China in approximately 1271 AD, the emperor of China had a good handle on both the money supply and all its various denominations. Interesting. And so with paper money, there's a bunch of questions I have about foreign currencies. Like how does a country devalue their currency or why would they even want to do that? What does it mean when people say a government is manipulating a currency? And even what does it mean to float or to peg a currency? Oh, now we're getting into modern day economics. So these uh, questions, well, kind of have to wait for another episode. If listeners here have questions along these lines, write in uh, and we'll definitely try to cover foreign currencies. Okay, let's wrap up on money then. Uh, there have been interesting phrases written on various currencies over the years. Maybe we can finish on that note. Most people will probably recognize that modern American bills say something like, in God we trust. And remember that emperor of China in the Marco Polo times? Yeah. Well, the Chinese inscription on currency at the time actually had a warning. Those who are counterfeiting will be beheaded. Hmm. <laughs> That's probably where, you know, colonialists got the idea for their money too. I believe the colonial money stated uh, to counter death, to counterfeit is death. And they weren't joking. Uh, counterfeiting was definitely a crime punishable by execution back then. That reminds me that counterfeiting came up in our ELI-5 special agents episode where we looked at the Secret Service. That's right. That's right. The Secret Service of today protects the president and families. But actually, the agency was originally created to suppress counterfeit money. Interesting. Did you learn something new? 
If you did, send us an email. We are at eli5thepodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, especially when you have comments and suggestions for us. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, please do leave us a rating or a review on Apple because it helps other people to find this podcast. As always, thank you to the community at r slash explain like I'm five, and we will see you all next week.